Welcome to Crushing 40 with your host, Kimberly Love, focusing on women, dating, relationships, empowerment, and more, only on Impact Radio USA. Welcome to Crushing 40 on Impact Radio USA. I'm your host, Kimberly Love, author of You Taste Like Whiskey and Sunshine. On the show today, we have Robert Miller. He's a rock star living in his 60s. He's a living proof that you are never too old and it's never too late to follow your dreams. We're excited to get him on the show today. Welcome, Robert. Thank you, Kim. Great to be here. So we love to to get into the journey stories of this. I mean, you're a musician, but you started things later in life. What were you doing before this, and what made you decide that you were going to follow your dreams? Well, I started out in life believing that I was going to be a musician, a rock star. That's what I wanted to be. Um, I came of age in the 1960s when all the great bands were out, and that's what I wanted to do. I started playing music when I was young. I had a you know my rock and roll band when I was in the teens, in my teens, etc., and uh, everything was on track until I was around 20 years old or so. And I had graduated from college. I had a degree in broadcasting and film. I got myself a job in a public television station, although it was a real entry level job at that time. And um, I thought I was going to do broadcasting. I thought I was going to do music in the evenings. I thought it was great, except um, as I started doing that, I, I was barely able to make a living. And uh, somebody suggested to me when I was in a very weak moment, why don't, I, why don't you go to law school? And I said, well, why would I want to do that? And they said, well, you could do law during the day and you could do your music at night. And, you know, I thought about it for about two nanoseconds. And I said, <laughs> all right, that sounds reasonable. So I went off on, on an odyssey where I went to law school and then I got a job as a lawyer. And everything turned out exactly the opposite of what I had thought. I had no time to do anything, much less any music. And then I got married. Then I had a kid. Um, and uh, between the job and the marriage and everything else, I gave up music for 15 years. Wow. I mean, imagine that. That was my passion. That's what I wanted to do. And I just stopped cold turkey for 15 years because I didn't have the time. And I finally woke up one day and I said, what is going on? What, what am I going to do about this? You know, it was, it was painful to me. And slowly but surely, I got back into playing music again. But it was more like a tentative kind of step. It was, it was um, you know, a little bit like a, a weekend kind of thing. It was not what I had in mind when I decided that I wanted to be a, a musician full time. It took me another 20 years until I finally jumped into the deep end of the pool. I had just turned 60 years old. And I decided that if I didn't do it now, when in the world was I ever going to do it? And although music is definitely a young person's game, I just said, I have to do this. 
and I went into music full time. And here it is about six years later. And I'm so pleased to say that I've got 10 albums, including a Billboard number one. I've got over 5 million video views. I've got over a million streams. I've played concerts and festivals around the world. I've opened for acts like Blues Traveler and Edgar Winter. It's just been a wonderful, wonderful experience. So that's why I say my motto is uh, you're never too old and it's never too late to follow your dream. No, I think that's an incredible story. And I mean, how many people come up to you and say, you know, they can't believe that you're doing this in your 60s? (laughs) Most people come up to me and say that. (laughs) And look, you know, looking back on it, it was probably a crazy idea to even try to do this. But as I said, this was something that was burning inside of me for so long And, you know, I think that when we go through life, we all have a dream somewhere. And I kind of think that people start off life with bigger dreams. You know, not too many people when they're a teenager say, my dream is to become an accountant. Okay, they want to do something much bigger. They want to be an astronaut. They want to be a doctor. Maybe they want to be a rock star. But what happens to so many of us is what happened to me. Life gets in the way. All of a sudden, you know, you somebody recommends you for a job and it's you need a job and it's not in what you thought you were going to do. But, you know, you needed the, the work and you go down that path or you, you move and you, you get into a different kind of community than you thought you were going to be in. All different kinds of things happen. And slowly but surely, we kind of give up on those youthful dreams. And the last thing I think anyone ever wants is to have regret in their lives. And I certainly didn't want that. I didn't want to regret that I had never given my dream a shot. That's oh, I think the, it's the real incredible. name of the game. I think it's incredible because like you just said, um, so many people do settle in a career that they didn't envision. And then most people don't get out of that. You know, they do go the rest of their life with regret and, you know, die not having realized those dreams. And I think it's so important for people to realize that it doesn't matter how old you are, where you are in life, you know, you got to, life is short. You got to do what makes you happy, right? Exactly. I mean, the pandemic really hit home on exactly that point, Kim, right. because, you know, when, when the whole thing started, we didn't know what it was going to turn into. There were no vaccines at the time. You didn't know if you got the, the virus, whether it was going to be like a passing flu or it was going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And What happened? I think a lot of people, particularly older people, a little bit older at least, started to get in touch with their mortality, you know, saying Mm -hmm. to themselves, am I really doing in life what I wanted? You you kind of stop and you smell the roses and you say, is this what I wanted out of my life? Because who knows what's going to happen now? Oh, absolutely. And I think that throughout the past couple of years, a lot of people realized, um, you know, they moved towards self-employment because they did realize that, oh, wow, like, you know, the world changed in a matter of a couple of years and I'm not doing what I should be doing. And now I'm going to go and do that. Exactly right. And that you, you read about, you know, so many people that are quitting their jobs now. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because they're they're tired of it. Maybe it's not earning enough money for them. But people are in transition on a worldwide basis. Mm-hmm. And I think it all started with the pandemic. And when you're in transition, you have to really dig down and say to yourself, what is it that makes me happy in life? What is it that I want to accomplish? Because like you said, life is short. Oh, absolutely. Let's talk Project Grand Slam. What is that? 
Well, that's the band that I um, run, that I am the composer for and the leader and the bassist and the chief cook and bottle washer. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, How many are in your band? Excuse me? How many are in your band? Um, seven or eight, depending upon oh, wow. uh, the, the time of uh, day or the time of year. What's really nice about it is when I decided to do this full time, the music business, I knew I had to. I knew I had to put my band together. I and I wanted to surround myself with young, vibrant, extremely talented musicians. And mm. I, I was living in the New York area at the time. And of course, that's a melting pot for musicians from all over the world. And I've been so incredibly fortunate to bring together a great conglomeration of musicians from all around the world. So, for example, my singer is Mexican-American. My keyboard player is from Venezuela. My guitar player is from Canada. My drummer is from Puerto Rico. Oh, wow. and I've had people from all different you know, countries as, as well as that along the way. And what that does is it brings to, to, to the band their culture, their influence, their upbringing. Um, mm -hmm. It's a whole different level of engagement than I could get if I just hired people that all grew up in the same area. Absolutely. I think that's amazing. I'm actually from Canada. Okay. Which part? Ontario. Close All to right, Toronto. My, my guitar player is from Western Canada, Vancouver mm. Island. Oh, that's a gorgeous place. He tells me that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you mentioned that, uh, you know, being a musician is a young man's game. So what is it like for you doing the traveling and going to all these concerts and basically doing a tour? Well, remember, right now, it's it's very difficult for musicians. We really yes. can't do the touring that we used to do. In fact, the last album that we created as a band in Project Grand Slam was released in January of 2020, just before mm. the world closed down. Right. And the last gig that we had before everybody ran to the sidelines was in February of 2020. And immediately after that, you know, we couldn't tour. And this was not just us. This was every musician everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so what did we do? The first thing we did was I decided let's put out some videos of songs from the album. The mm -hmm. name of the album that we released in January 2020 was called East Side Sessions. So we made four videos that were pretty cool videos. Um, of songs that were released on that album. And it did, th those videos did very, very well. Then, you know, we still couldn't play anywhere. We couldn't even rehearse um, because nobody could, you know, go together into the same room. Right. So we wound up doing things remotely, which is a very different process than I was used to. I mean, before this whole pandemic thing, I would come into rehearsal. I'd bring my ideas for songs into the rehearsal. We'd rehearse like crazy. Uh, we, you know, we'd figure out exactly how we wanted each song to sound. If we were recording, we'd go into the recording studio then and there. And maybe we would only need two or three times to play the song because we knew it so well. But during the pandemic, you couldn't do that. You couldn't rehearse. You know, so how did you record? What, what can you do? Right. And, at that point, you start doing things, as I say, on a remote basis. I actually started to get the thing going on my iPhone. <laughs> believe wow. that? I mean, you know, I'd kind of sing into the iPhone or I would record something simple. I'd send it to my engineer by email. 
he would, you know, get it into a position where I could send it out to others in the band. Each person in the band would then kind of bring back their own part for each song. It's almost like, you know, a Frankenstein kind of a thing <laughs> because you're you're doing it one person at a time. And it's it, it, it works, but it's not nearly the, the best way, in my opinion, to create uh, music, at least in a group situation, because right. I, I love the idea of having everybody together and working something out on a collective basis. But nonetheless, we I put out two albums during the pandemic that were done on that basis. Amazing. Do you see yourself going back out on tour? Oh, I would love to do that. Um, we did play two big concerts this past summer. One was a concert that we've done before in Pennsylvania, uh, which is called Steel Stacks, also mm-hmm. called Music Fest in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. A wonderful, wonderful venue that's against the backdrop of an old, uh, unused steel mill. Okay, from oh, nice. that area of the world. So we we played that in June, and then we did a concert in August uh, that was a benefit concert for a an acting troupe called Shakespeare and Company uh, in Massachusetts. And it was a wonderful concert. You know, we had to go through the whole pandemic situation. Everybody had to wear a mask. They, they couldn't fill up the place to capacity. But right. nonetheless, it was a great concert. The group sounded wonderful. And I said to myself, you know, I, I wish we could have recorded it. They didn't have any recording equipment. So I did something um, as follows. I took the band into our recording studio two months later, and I replicated the concert. So we played live in the studio as if we were playing a concert, you know, one song after another, 15 songs in a row, no overdubs, no fixes, no nothing. What you hear is what you get. And uh, that album, which I call the Shakespeare concert, is going to be coming out shortly. And I'm very proud of it because it, it really captures the band at the top of our game. Oh, that's amazing. I love that so much. Very creative idea to get things, uh, you know, just the way that you want them. Do you well, have an actual date for that? We don't have a, a, a specific date for the release, but it'll probably be around March 1st or so. I have a highlight reel that we're going to put up on our YouTube and also Facebook um within the next week or two and gives you a good taste of what this concert is like. Oh, I think that's incredible. Good for you. (laughs) Well, you know, you you just have to be flexible in this environment. So we're looking forward to next summer. Who knows what's going to happen there? We were supposed to go to Serbia and play a festival in Serbia last summer, which we've played at before called the Nisville Jazz Festival. Unfortunately, it, it was... It either canceled or it was off limits for anybody from the United States. But this year, we'll see if uh, we can get there and if we can do it. You know, you just have to keep your fingers crossed. Absolutely. And keep moving, right? Like, this is not something you give up on, regardless of what happens. Correct. You you know, I, I continue to write music. I continue to do things. I'm doing some collaborations right now with, in fact, with one of the people that I've had on my podcast, and that's something that I did in the midst of this whole pandemic. I started my own podcast last March called Follow Absolutely. Your Dream. Yeah, and, and what a great name for it, Follow Your Dream Podcast. Well, 
you know, that's what I did. I followed my dream and it succeeded for me. And people said to me, you know, after I got back into music, you've got such a unique inspirational story. Have you ever thought about doing a podcast? And frankly, I, I didn't know much about podcasts at the time. I had never thought about it. But the more I looked into it, the more I said, gee, this is a way that I can engage with people on a much deeper level than, you know, just a Facebook or or even a YouTube kind of thing. And you know about this because of your show. Yeah. You know, you have 30 minutes, 40 minutes or so to really, you know, have people get to know you, get to know what your thinking is, what your background is, what you're doing. It's a it's a much better way of engaging with people. So I started the podcast and I'm pleased to say it's just been doing fantastically well. That's amazing. Now, wh what kind of things do you discuss? I mean, I'm stating the obvious. Obviously, you want people to follow their dreams as well. So what kind of guests are you having on and what kind of conversations are you having? Well, I've had some amazing guests, um, a, a number of musicians, famous musicians, people that I, you know, were, were my heroes, if you will, while I was growing up. Um, from bands like, you know, Mark Farner from Grand Funk Railroad, for example. Ted Nugent is going to be on the podcast soon. You know, people like that um, from really from all over the world. And then uh, I've also had uh, some authors, some dancers, broadcasters, people. The, the one thing that's in common is that they've all done well and they all followed their dream. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So the theme of the show is basically letting others see other people following their dreams. Yeah. My goal with the podcast was to try and inspire and motivate people to follow their dream, whatever it might be. Turned out for me, it was music, but it could be anything for anybody else. You know, it could be developing a new hobby, developing a new skill, getting a new job, moving to a new city. You know, dreams come in all different shapes and sizes. So my goal with the podcast was to get people to say, let me take my shot. Oh, absolutely. I love that so much. And you wrote a book, Follow Your Dream Handbook. <laughs> and it's basically, you know, it's part memoir, part how to. So what made you decide you were going to get to writing? Well, you know, after I started the podcast, people said to me at some point, do you have a book? And I said, well, no, I, I haven't written a novel yet or anything. I'm, I'm tied up with music. They said, well, why don't you write um, a, a book that would go along, that would further elaborate on the podcast uh, subject? And I thought about it again. We're in lockdown. We're in, you know, the pandemic. So I started writing. I put pen to paper and I said, OK, I'm going to call this a handbook. I intentionally didn't want to call it anything else. I figured a handbook says to somebody that they can kind of learn from this. So mm. that's why I started out. Uh, the first part of it is kind of my story, what I'm, you know, what I'm summarizing with you uh, on this show. And the second part is a how to. How did I do it? And how can you do it for whatever your dream is? And I actually came up with a mnemonic that I would use as part of the book called Dream. Um, D-R-E-A-M. And for each of those letters, I came up with a concept that would hopefully help people figure out how to move forward on their dream. Wow, I love that. I absolutely love this. Now, is there a, a best way to use this book or anybody can use it? It's easy to use. 
I think it's really anybody can use it. Um, you know, it's available uh, obviously in hard, not in hardcover, in paperback, and also um, uh, you know uh, online from from Amazon. That's the easiest way to get it. It's a shortish book. You know, it's maybe 120 pages. It's got a lot of pictures in there too. I said, let me tell people. You know, I wanted to show people that this wasn't just a guy just talking about what he wanted to do, but rather that I had done this. So I figured I better put in a whole bunch of pictures of me performing and with some other people that we've opened for and things like that. And uh, put the album covers in there that we've done so they can see that this is all for real. And like I said, I, I came up with this five step process to ask, you know, to, to help people figure out their dream. May I go through it with you? Because I think it might be. Helpful oh, absolutely. I'd love that. I'd love that. Okay. So the D in dream theory uh, obviously stands for that you, you need to have a dream. And as I said before, I think everybody has a dream. Uh, some people are in touch with their dreams. Some people, maybe it's been buried. But if you think about it, and more importantly, if you consult with your gut, you know, you know, people think with their gut, as they say. And I really believe that you kind of know in your gut whether you're doing something that you want to do or you're not doing something that you want to do. So have a dream. That's the first step in this. And the the R of dream theory is I stand it stands for me for realistic meaning all right let's face it your dream has to be somewhat realistic now somebody <laughs> might have said you know Miller being a, a rock star at age sixty was not realistic they might have been right but I thought it was and I took my shot and it turned out to be but like if I had decided that I wanted to be a baseball pitcher. Unless I was Satchel Paige or somebody like that, I wasn't <laughs> going to be a baseball pitcher at age 60. So that wouldn't have been realistic. E of dream theory is to me the most important part. It's execute. And by that, I mean everybody benefits if you have what I call an action plan. Um, a step-by-step how-to. How am I going to get to where I want to get to? If you start with a dream and just say, uh, you know, I want to be a, um, a rock star, and that's all you say to yourself, well, it's going to be pretty daunting. You're not even going to know how to start. You're not going to know how to proceed. But if, like me, you, you break it down and you say, okay, what's the first baby step that I have to take? Um, oh, I need to form a band. What's the second baby step? Well, I have to start writing some music, et cetera, et cetera. If you mm. put together a series of baby steps, it breaks down what seems like the impossible into the doable. And uh, so that's the, the E part of the dream theory. The A part is for adjust. And I, I put that in there because every dream has to be adjusted at some point. There's no such thing as a straight line to success. It certainly didn't happen for me. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you the number of evenings where, you know, we were playing somewhere and was basically a private concert for the bartender and the waitress. Okay? <laughs> because, you know, you're trying to establish a, a following and um, it, it doesn't happen overnight. So every dream is kind of one step forward, two steps back, three steps sideways. I like to quote the former heavyweight champion, uh, Mike Tyson. They asked him when uh, when he goes into the ring, does he have an action plan? And he said, yes, everybody has an action plan until they get hit in the face. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then you have to adjust it. That's the same thing with with life. You always have to. There's always hurdles. 
There's always obstructions. There's always stuff that you didn't anticipate. And you just have to say, okay, how am I going to get over that or around it? What am I going to do? That's the adjust part. And then the M of the dream theory for me is measurement. How do I, how do I measure my success? Um, and every dream will have a different measurement of success. Um, for music, it was, it's kind of easy. You know, am I, am I getting gigs? Are people enjoying the music? Are they buying it? Are we getting, you know, moving up to festivals and things like that? Um, if, but not, and not every dream is going to work out. That's the other mm -hmm. thing that I wanted to mention here. Um, and the success level can vary, of course, with each dream. But my contention is that it's not about success or failure. If you succeed, it's like the cherry on top. That's great. But if you just take the shot, if you try, even if you don't succeed, you're going to still have a warm and fuzzy feeling that you can always say to yourself, I gave it my best shot. Yes. And that's what you want out of life. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I love that so much. What a great concept. And I love the fact that you're telling people to make sure that they're setting goals, because I think a lot of people, when they do decide to go after their dreams, they they sometimes don't sit down and say, OK, what's step one? What's step two? And then they get so overwhelmed because they're trying to do everything that they give up. You're absolutely right. In fact, when I decided that I was going to do music full time, I literally sat down and on the on the back of a napkin, I wrote out like the first five steps that I needed to take, because I said, if I don't do that, if I just say to myself, I want to be a musician full time and I want to be a star and blah, blah, blah. It's too daunting. It's too big. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't it's it doesn't give you a, a direction to go in. Absolutely. Now, are you officially retired as a lawyer? Oh, yeah, I gave that up many, right. many, many years ago. <laughs> okay. uh, so what do you see for yourself in the future? What do you think the next couple of years are going to hold? Are you going to continue writing? You just want to focus on the music and the podcast? Um, I, I wish I could give you a complete answer on that. I didn't think two years ago that I would be doing what I'm doing now. Right. So it's a little hard for me to look out, you know, five years from now and say, here's what I, I, I'm going to be doing. But the things that I enjoy most in life um, from a professional standpoint, it's it's my music. And I love the podcasting thing. You know, when I was in college way back when I was on the radio station in my college, uh, I was a disc jockey back then. And I kind of look at podcasting as almost like an updated version of being right. a disc jockey. <laughs> okay, true. I have these great guests on. I put all kinds of fun stuff into my into my podcast episodes. I just have a lot of fun with it. And uh, so I'm enjoying that tremendously. I don't really see myself going out there and writing the great American novel. That's, that's right. not going to be my thing. Um, and, and that's how I spend my time. Absolutely. Well, for the listeners out there, make sure to check out Follow Your Dream Handbook uh, on Amazon, as well as the Follow Your Dream podcast. Now, is there a place where they can find you? Do you have a website or is there social media better to find you? I got a million websites. <laughs> um, actually, the best the best two websites to take a look at my stuff. Uh, the podcast website is followyourdreampodcast.com. And if anybody wants to reach me, all they need to do is send an email to robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. 
And uh, the website that I've just mentioned has all of the episodes and has a lot of other interesting stuff all connected to the podcast. And then the music is found easiest on uh, projectgrandslam.com. And there we've got, of course, all the albums and the videos and uh, the dates and everything else. So those are the two things that I would suggest that people go to if they'd like to learn a little bit more. And of course, we're, you know, like everybody else, we've got our positioning on social media, in on Facebook and YouTube and the like. But I, I tend to focus much more of my effort on the uh, the websites than I do on the social media. Because as I said, I think you get a larger, a greater engagement out of the things that I'm doing via the websites. Absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you so much, uh, Robert, for being on the show today. It was a joy talking to you. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. And I want to thank my listeners for always tuning in. You guys send in great comments. So please continue to do that. And thank you and have a wonderful day. You've been listening to Crushing 40 with Kimberly Love. Join us next week right here for Crushing 40 on Impact Radio USA.